0: I want to start with a kind of a peculiar question. I don't want you to think emotional. I want you to think physical uh, about, have you ever experienced some physical pain? Well, the answer to that is, of course, you you have. We all have. I was thinking this week as I prepared about two things uh, in my life that kind of stick out, besides the stomach virus. I'm convinced in hell people will have the stomach virus forever. That will be part of it. Do you ever capture me? You're like on the enemy, and you want me to com- t- to give up the secrets. Give me the stomach virus. I will tell you anything you want to know quickly. I, I broke ribs in high school playing football. Have any of you ever broken a rib? Very few. We are blessed because I want to tell you it is terrible. You you breathe deep, it hurts. You sneeze, it's terrible. You cough. You feel like you got to call the undertaker. I mean, it is you can't you, you can't sleep well, you can't sit well. A broken rib is very very painful. Any of you ever stepped on a nail? Yeah, we got more bubbles in here. We people stepped on nails around here. A couple of years ago, I was out working and I was weed eating, blowing all that, and all of a sudden I felt a terrible pain in my foot. And I thought I'd stepped on a snake or something. And I looked down and there's this gigantic nail. And thank goodness I got a tetanus shot two weeks earlier so they didn't have to saw my leg off from gangrene or anything. But stepping on a nail is very, very, very painful. Well, this morning in Luke 15, we're concluding our series on the good, good father. We're going to look uh, at an angle of the prodigal son story that I have never preached. And I have actually have never heard on uh, this preach. Luke 15, if you have your Bible, but I'm going to tell you something that hurts very deeply. And that's when when someone you love goes the wrong direction in life, it hurts deeply. When somebody that you care about and you have a relationship with starts going a direction that's going to be costly for them, going to cost you at least emotionally, and that's and going to be painful and, and, and going to have a sad ending. Can could be corrected, but still going to be a lot of pain. It hurts deeply. You, you might be here today, and you're not a Christian, but, but you understand people you love going in a direction that's wrong and how it can hurt them. So join us, and hopefully you'll give your life to Christ today. Many of you here are parents. Maybe you're not a parent. But it could be your kid, it could be your roommate, it could be your best friend. Some of you, it could be your parent that for whatever reason, they bend off and they go a direction against what's right and against God. And man, let me tell you, if you have a heart and you love people, that hurts deeply. Our story in Luke 15, we looked at this two weeks ago, but I'm going to give you some quick uh, update on it. Verses 11 through 13 Jesus said there was a man, and Jesus is trying to show God and us. There was a man who had two sons. The man here is, is God, but again, it's good for an earthly father. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming. And he divided it, he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey to a far country. There he squandered his property and reckless living now these are jewish people he's telling jewish story and in deuteronomy 21 over in the old testament here's what they said when when a dad died who had two sons the older son got two-thirds of the estate the younger son got one-third that's good for me i'm the older son and got a younger brother so i get two-thirds of the stuff the catch here though is dad's not dead you get it so it's kind of weird it's like he goes to the father and he says to him he, he says dad I know you're not dead yet. Let's play like you're dead. I want what's coming to me from the estate. And the dad obliges him. And and this had to be difficult, so he's got to liquidate property and things, and he gives his son one-third of his property. And the son, it says, leaves. And it says he goes off and he squanders, which means he just wastes his stuff in wild and reckless living. Really, the picture there is... Uh, the picture there is of just partying and doing anything you want to, not, not caring what God or anybody else says. The, the word prodigal, you've heard the, the term prodigal son if you've ever been in church. The word prodigal literally means wasteful. And this son went out and just wasted his life in wild and reckless living. And you know it had to be tearing the heart out of the father. Listen, when you love people, whether you're their parent their roommate, their friend, their brother, their sister, whether that's your mom and dad, whoever it is, when you love people and you see them destroying their lives, it's tough. It's tough. It cuts you deep. And, and the story gets worse before it gets better. Verse 14 through 16. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed, the, 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 he was longing to, to eat the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Now, a famine 2,000 years ago was terrible because you didn't have CNN, Fox, and all that to you could communicate and get help. I mean, it, it was very devastating when a famine happened. And it says he hired himself out. Literally, he glued himself to somebody. He went to some, probably didn't know, and he just got his arm and said, please, I'll do anything. Just give me something to eat or some way to make money or some way to survive. And so he tells him to go and feed his pigs. Now, you and I, again, no big deal. We like bacon. We like pigs. We don't want to sleep with them or feed them all the time, maybe. But to a Jewish person in Leviticus chapter 11 over in the Old Testament, it says a Jewish person is not to eat pork or to touch a pig. So he's, he's fallen to a state where he's doing one of the most degrading things to his people. And he's in such a bad state that he's looking at pig food and thinking it looks good. Let me tell you something today. If you're ever looking at pig food and going, boy, if I just had a little sugar, a little sweet and low, that would probably taste good. You're at a bad spot. Amen? When you're lusting pig food, that's not good. And the the moral of the story, again, there's a thousand morals here, but... You get away from God, God is going to let you, and you will eventually shipwreck your life. That's bad for you. I've done that to me. But what's really tough, too, and some of you, some of you may go, oh, this will never happen to me. Oh, put your seatbelt on, friend. When you love people and you watch people shipwreck their lives, it hurts deeply. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do? Spank them? Possibly a little harder to do if they're 40. Ground them, absolutely, if they're within grounding age. Take away their electronics. <clears throat> Everybody on the first three rows sat up and looked at me. Y'all don't listen for a second. Parents, do you realize that is the gold mine of punishment today? If you tell a kid, give me your phone, iPad, and laptop, they will be saying, yes, sir, no, they will be better than a Marine within a week. It, it, it's absolute truth. It's absolute truth, isn't it, Riley? Um, I mean, I'm sorry. My granddaughter, I just saw her there. She doesn't know from experience, but she's heard it from her friends at school. I think I'm in trouble, aren't I? Probably. But what do we do? Let me give you, let me give you some thoughts from the Bible. Some thoughts that will work. It's not a magic formula. You just do this, this, and this, and they're home the next day. Hey, I'm sorry I've been such a terrible person. But these are God's way that you help bring your prodigal home. You got young kids today? You need to take notes. You'll be dealing with this at some point in your future to some degree. What do we do? Number one, remember you cannot control them. Wow. Two weeks from today, we're starting a three-week series on Sunday morning on control. Because most of us want to control people and things and we're going to look at what we can't control and what we can control and to do what we can do with what we can control you can't control other people again if they're kids that live at home you can you can to some extent but not fully you can't control your adult children you can't control your roommate you can't control your parents (laughs) You can't control your friends. That's really important to understand that you can't control them. That will save you. Listen, a lot of anxiety, depression, and panic and is because we want to control everything. You can't control that person in your life that's spiraling in the wrong direction. But here's what we can do. And this is the big thought that I'm going to give you several thoughts under. We can seek to be a positive person life-changing influence on them. See, here's the goal. Your kid goes crazy. Your wife goes crazy. Your husband goes off the deep end. Are they're just not interested in God anymore. Your parents do. What do you do? You can't control them, but you seek to be a positive, life-changing influence on them. And let me give you some thoughts under this that I think are, that that, that make this Point the point. Give this, the, the pillars to it. Number one, be the Christ-like person you should be. Hey, you're not going to influence anybody in the right direction if you're living the wrong way. Amen? How many of you have ever heard the dumbest statement ever, do as I say, not as I do? You remember hearing that? That's hypocritical 101. Uh, Don't don't do what I do, just do what I say. You know, by the time your child's 14, they realize you're an idiot if you're telling them that. Seriously. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? Hey, you better better be pure, not sin, but I don't do it. No, of course not. Jesus gave us the word and he lived it out. If you are going to influence that kid, that family member, that friend, you're not going to be doing it by being hyper-religious by being mean for God, holy and hateful. And you're not going to be doing it by being wild and reckless and no morals. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Listen to what Jesus said. Talking to Christians, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, it's not good for anything. Throw it out. Throw it out. Verse 14, trample on your feet. You're a light of the world, a city of Set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light, your life, shine before others so that they may see the good works in you and give glory, not to you, but to God who is in heaven. See, a lot of us want glory, but if, if we're living it right, we bring glory to God. See, in Jesus' day, and it's still the same today, salt... Salt was probably more important then than it is today because they didn't have refrigeration electricity. Salt preserved things. Salt was used for healing. Uh, salt uh, obviously is good for flavor. How many of you like salt today? Folks, I, it, this is in the Bible somewhere. I haven't found it yet, but if you go like to a Mexican food restaurant and you don't use salt on your chips, you are not saved. <laughs> it, it, it's It's... It's in there somewhere. People quote you the Bible all the time, and they can't say, tell you where it is. Amen? Can't the preacher do it occasionally? But salt makes things better. Hey, Christian. Christian mom or dad or roommate. You are supposed to make it better. Church. Come on, right? We ought to be flavoring. A lot of us are, we're bitter herbs. We ought to be flavoring. Light, man, light. Light God's. Light brings warmth. Light brings comfort. How many of you are really, honestly, you're in church, are a little bit of a coward in a night light or something like that helps? Everybody's going, God saw you, and I did too. I get up at night. I use my cell phone. That's my cowardly, because it, you know, like, like comforts. Jesus is saying, "Look, you want to help bring that child back, that family member back, that friend back? You've got to start with you. You've got to start with you. Be salt and light. Be a positive Christ-like person." Here's number two: love them unconditionally. Verse twenty, the hero of our story. God, and and the the son arises and he comes to the father while he's still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him over and over and over. Folks, what your prodigal... And if you're a prodigal, what you need, what God gives, what they need from us is unconditional love. Love, Unconditional love is not unconditional approval of bad behavior. We'll address that in a moment. Unconditional love means I love you regardless. I love you regardless. Proverbs nineteen twenty two. It says, what is desired in a man is steadfast, consistent, faithful love. It's better to be poor than a liar. Character is more important than money. And what people need, listen, what your prodigal needs, they need to know that you love them anyway. That's what you need, and God does that. God loves us anyway. That's what we give them. Here's number three. As much as possible, keep a great relationship with them. Not always possible. They disappear. They're they're drunk twenty-four-seven, they're spaced out on drugs, they're not near you. They don't want to be around you. It's not always possible. But but, but if you have a relationship with someone, it gives you opportunities. Does this make sense? If you hate me and I don't like you, you're not going to come talk to me. If we have some of a relationship, it leaves the door open. Religious people hear me. They're not going to come talk to you and listen to you just because you're a Pharisee. They're not. fact they'll go the other direction keep the relationship open number four pray pray and pray for them nobody can stop you from praying for isn't that the coolest thing ever i've had people tell me not many but i've had a few i'd say i'm praying for you i don't want you praying for me and in my heart this this is immature but here's what i was saying i'm gonna pray i don't care what you want i'm gonna pray for you anyway you tell me not to pray for you you you've just ticked me off I'm going to pray for you a whole lot at that point. Isn't that the great thing about praying for somebody? Luke 18.1. Man, some of you need to hear this this morning. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and never give up. Wow. You ever, you ever got to a point with somebody or some situation, you go, I just, prayer's not working you pray till they die or you die. That's a pretty good premise. You, you, you stay with it. You pray and you pray and you pray. I, I, I get tickled. People's views on prayer is far more based on opinion than it is on the Bible. And, and people will argue about this. Someone will say, hey, prayer changes things. And I'll hear, no, it doesn't. God changes things. Prayer doesn't change things. Look, come on. Look, prayer is a huge way God has chosen to work. The Bible is clear. A lot of times we're not getting things because we don't ask for them. God says, I've chosen to work through prayer. So sure, prayer changes things. P- real prayer connects you with God who can do anything and everything. So sure, prayer is a means of changing things. You pray for that person and you keep praying for them. Here's number five. Don't approve of their wrong behavior. Now, this is real important. Not easy for, for to talk about, but really important. You've got a friend or a kid or a relative who's strung out on drugs. <laughs> D- don't cheer them on. Hey, we're happy that you're drinking eight six packs a day. Don't don't approve of wrong behavior. Several weeks ago, I was I was reading this this social blog. It was it was um, it was ministers in another denomination. If you don't know what a denomination is, religiously, like Baptists is a group that's a denomination. Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Catholic. You know, we're different denominations, different branches of the Christian faith. And in this particular group, they are struggling whether to fully embrace gay marriage. In their group, and these are ministers talking about whether they were going to marry people, do gay weddings, and things like this. And and uh, now you stay with me because if this is something that makes you mad, stay with me. I'm going to try to kick everybody in just a second. Okay, so I'm not picking on one group. I'm just telling you what I read. And here's what one of the ministers wrote. He wrote, "I was against gay marriage until my child came home and announced that they were gay, and now I have changed my views of the Bible. And The people under this, the other ministers, were writing back, and one of them said, so if my kid comes home and says they're heterosexual, but they're going to go out and have sex with anybody they want to every night of the week, then I need to change my view of the Bible to meet my child's. My child comes home and says they just decided they're going to start beating their wife. I have to be for wife beating, right? Parents, your kid should not determine Your theology. Sex, I'll just touch on this real quick because you think, well, you're being mean to homosexuals. Heterosexual sex outside of marriage is just as wrong. Folks, sex has one target, a man, a woman in marriage, period. So make everybody mad, that's fine. And listen, you don't do this to me, but please don't ever come to me and expect me to approve of your wrong behavior. I cannot do that. And if I ever come to you and ask you to approve of my wrong behavior, tell me no. Many of you would have no problem doing that. (laughs) But tell me no. Hey, G-O-D is the standard. Amen? Here's the standard. Here's the book. You love people unconditionally. Unconditional love is not unconditional approval of wrong behavior. There's a difference. See, here's what we've done. We've hated the sin and the sinner. Right? Right? Boy, yeah, you know, they're bad. We don't want them around. No. Love the sinner but disapprove of the sin. You can do that regardless of what you hear on TV. And you should do that. Not all behaviors right or good or healthy. So do not approve of wrong behavior. You are helping no one. I am helping no one if we say what is wrong is right. Romans one let Let's let God speak to this. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things, he's talking about all kinds of sin before this, deserve to die, they not only do the same things, but they give approval to those who practice them. Don't get yourself upside down with God by what you approve. Don't approve of wrong behavior. Unconditional love of person, not behavior. Number six, and this goes hand in glove with this, don't facilitate wrong behavior. Well, my kid's got a math problem, but I love them, so I'm just going to go help them buy some math. Are you crazy? And you're going, oh, no one would do that. No, but we facilitate wrong behavior all the time. I'm not going to read you the story back, but you you remember when the prodigal son is in the pig pen? You, You remember that part of it? It doesn't say the dad shows up and says, Hey, man, you're in a bad spot, but here's some cash. And, you know, that pig food doesn't look that bad. Here's a Coke. And, you know, you just continue to do what you're doing. And I'm, uh, you know. No, the dad was heartbroken, but he stayed away from it. Don't facilitate bad behavior. There was a mother telling her child, her her little four-year-old, the story of the prodigal son. And she gets to the store where the the prodigal son's in the pig pen and he has no money. And the mama looks at the little girl and says, what do you think is the moral of the story? And the little girl looks at her and says, don't leave home without your credit card. (laughs) Some of us would have mailed the credit card to the prodigal son. Don't facilitate bad behavior. James Dobson years ago, I think at least in modern times, coined the term tough love. Tough love, and he's got two books that that are worth reading. Love Must Be Tough and Dealing with a Strong-Willed Child, and that's one of the things. You love them, love them, love them, but you set boundaries, you set rules. There is a right and there is a wrong. Don't facilitate bad behavior. Bad behavior's never okay. You're not helping them if you tell them it does. Here's number seven. Prayerfully seek to have the Jesus Bible conversations with them. In other words, when, when your prodigal, your child, your parent, your roommate, your friend, when they have gone off the radar, they've gone, they're going in direction that is going to hurt them, you need to talk to them. But it, it's got to be done properly. See, a lot of us do this. We don't want to have the conversation. So we put our hands and our mouths in our pocket. Bad idea. It's not going to be on the screen, but write this down if you're taking notes. Ezekiel 18 Ezekiel 18, verse 17 through 21. Powerful verses. And I'm paraphrasing it. It it says this, that if you and me, if if we know of a righteous person that's headed in the wrong direction, and we do not warn them, they are going to split their britches, and God is going to split ours. But if we warn them, what they do is on them, and that we are free of our responsibility. And then he talks about a non-Christian. If a non-Christian's going headed to to, to eternity without Christ and we don't warn them, that's where they're going to go, but their blood's going to be on our hands. And then God says if we warn them, if we tell them they're responsible and we we are honored for doing our part, but you've got to do this wisely. When I first became a Christian, one of my best friends was was a non-Christian and he was All my friends were non-Christian, but this guy was probably one of my closest friends, and he was almost anti-God. I mean, he, he, there's a lot of things in his life that kind of pushed him that way. So I would invite him to church, I'd tell him about Jesus, man, he was just like this. He was, he was, he was at an arm's distance. And I mean, at times, he did arm distance. And I remember talking to my mother, and I said, man, I'm so worried about him, and I'm trying to talk to him, he doesn't want to listen. She gave me the best advice ever. She said, you've got to, you've got to be very wise in how you handle him. She said, if every time you see him, you're you're pinning him down and going, Jesus, 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 give me the lighter. I'm going to burn your hand. That's what hell's going to be like. That's where you're going. If you do that every time, eventually he's going to beat you up because he's a lot bigger and stronger than you are. But he's also, he's going to avoid you like the plague. And so here's what would happen over the next 15 years. I would get to talk to him about Jesus about twice a year. When the conversations would come up, when the time was right, and now, and, and I, I played a little part in it, but I certainly, there were a lot of other people. He's a strong Christian today, but it's frustrating for years. So you've got to have the conversation, but you have to be wise and ask God to give you wisdom as you help that person. And here's the last thing this morning. Always keep the door for him to come home. See, some of us aren't doing this this morning. It's, well, we facilitate it. We uh, Come on home and, you know, do whatever you want. No, but keep the door for him. Open to come home. I'm going to just tell you the last part of this story. We won't won't read it. But in verse 20 through 24, the prodigal son, he's repentant, and, and God's got a hold of his heart, and so he decides he's going home, and so he's coming home, and the dad's looking for him. It's cool to the dad's looking. He sees him when he's far off, and he runs to him, and men in this culture did not run. That was not dignified. He didn't care about dignity. He ran to him. It says he was filled with compassion, deep in his heart, in his stomach, he was just moved when he saw his son. He runs to him, and you know there were tears, and he grabs his son, and he, it says he's kissed him repeatedly over and over and the son starts trying to tell him things and the dad won't even listen The that says hey bring the best robe out here that's for the guest of honor a robe that would have gone from his shoulders to his feet put a ring on his finger A ring was for authority he's back in the family he's barefooted because he's lost everything He says, bring him shoes because servants and poor people then didn't have shoes. This is my son, get some shoes on and kill the best calf we have because we are, are," these had to be southern people. We're going to eat the biggest, best steak we have tonight, amen? They had to have some ice cream too, but that, what just missed, that didn't get in the Bible. When the son came home, the dad's arms were open wide. Some of us, man, some churches, if people come back, there has to be repentance, there has to be some change before you can embrace them back into the fold. They ought to always be welcome at the table, but there's a difference in being a part of the group again. We've got to keep that door open. We've got, as a roommate, as a friend, as a parent, you've got to keep that door open. God has the door open for you this morning. And part of this story is about us seeing how to handle people in the same situation. I saw this this week, and it will tie into the sermon, I think. A man's walking down the street, and he sees on a telephone pole a sign that says lost dog. I'm I'm a dog lover. I would have looked at that. And it also says big cash reward if found. That gets everybody's attention, doesn't it? So he reads, the, he reads what he saw, and he actually wrote it down. It says, the description of the dog. He's only got three legs. He's blind in his left eye. He's missing a right ear. His tail's been broken off. He was neutered accidentally by a fence. He's almost deaf, and he answers to the name Lucky. And the guy telling the story says, obviously, what that dog's been through, the dog is not lucky by the the nature of what it's experienced, but the dog is lucky because he has an owner, no matter how messed up that dog is, he has an owner that's actively out pursuing him to bring him home. You have a God this morning who is actively pursuing you to bring you home. You're lucky, amen? We call it blessed. Blessed but those are in the same categories. So if you're a prodigal today or you're lost, God's looking for you. You are lucky. Maybe you're a prodigal today, and listen, some of you are lucky you have a family member or a friend who loves you despite it all and is trying hard to bring you home. You're lucky. And you're dealing with that prodigal this morning. And your heart's breaking I want to tell you, you're lucky too. You're blessed too. You know why? You got a God that's got His hand on your shoulder, His hand in your hand, and He's going to walk every step of that journey with you. See, now the choice is all ours. What will we do with it? Let's pray. This morning, if you're... If you're a Christian, I'm going to talk to you more specifically in a moment, but I hope you're doing whatever God is leading you to do right now. Coming back to Him, making right decisions on how to deal with your prodigals. You're not a Christian or you're unsure, and you're ready to give your life to Christ. Pray with me. Pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe you're God's Son. I believe you died for me and came back to life for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a minute. And when we do, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart. Are you ready to do it? You're too shy to come down? You, you can catch us after church and we'll help you. But some of you, you need to, right now this morning, you need to come and cross that line with Jesus. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can do that after church or you can come when we stand. Folks, I want to tell you, I really believe we're in church wide open to prodigals. Led by prodigals. <laughs> led by God who loves prodigals. Come and join us today. We'd love for you to. Maybe you're that Christian today who's far from God. You are headed towards disaster. Come back to God. Where you're standing, at the altar, come back to God today. Maybe you're the Christian who's dealing with the problem. Maybe you'd like to come and pray at the altar or let us pray with you. God's in your corner. Let Him help you. Let's stand.